denvercrush.com Welcome to the first ever Kaiju Kingdom podcast panel live at G-Fest. And for our first panel ever, we got a first time guest on our show, powerful Matt Frank right here. Yes, yes. Yes, in the past we've been at, we have a current stable at San Diego Comic Con. And we've had it like LA Comic Con as well, so we've had all kinds of amazing people. This is our first time here at G Fest. This is where you had one with Matt. We've made it here. (laughs) There's no perfect person as our first guest. No. So, and I'm Jessica. Hi. I'm Chris. And of course, everyone knows. I'm Matt. Yeah. <laughs> I draw lizards. <laughs> no, but you have a line going out the door for you already. Well, I, at Artist uh, Alley. Rockstar here, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it can't, it's probably not just for me. I mean, there's other people in the Artist Alley. <laughs> That's true. Look at how humble and modest Aww. you are. Look at him blush. Look at him blush. It's happening. So, yeah. how's life, sir? Life? Yeah. And I was a young boy in England. <laughs> And uh, no, no, uh, it's it's been going pretty good. You know, it's it's, it's busy. It's busy. I tell you that. You got a brand new project you're working on, right? That's right. We're working on Red Man. All right. So let, let's go on. How did this come about? The uh, well, it's it's kind of crazy because I would have never thought in a million years that I would have worked on a property like Red Man. Because for those who don't know, mm. Red Man is a Superia property, and Superia is the company that owns Ultraman. And back in the 60s and 70s, they were just pumping out all kinds of different superheroes, not just Ultraman. There was um, uh, Jump Borges. Uh, there was, oh, no, Godman is uh, Toho, isn't yeah, it? Godman. See, everybody was making them. You know, Jet Jaguar was <laughs> Toho also trying to get out on the game. But, you know, but one of the heroes Super I made was Red Man. They were a, they, there were these two-minute episodes on a Japanese variety show and where literally they would go out into the wilderness somewhere and find a, a spot for two guys in suits to just beat the crap out of each other. No choreography. It's just, and it's very kind of stark and 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 desolate and beautiful in a way, in a weird, messed up way. Super I started uploading the episodes to YouTube uh, last year, the year before that. My editor in Japan, mm. who's been releasing Godzilla: Rulers of Earth in Japan. Uh, saw that and said, we should make a comic out of this. <laughs> you went to Superaya, they were like, yeah, sure, <laughs> whatever you want to do, buddy, just give us our royalties. And um, yeah, and that's kind of how it happened. There's more to it than that, but. So way before that, with little Matt Frank, how did you... The wee boy in England. <laughs> yeah, anyway, sorry, go ahead. How did you get into your love of kaiju and Godzilla and monsters and everything? Well, I think um, it all started when I grabbed a piece of electrical wiring. And uh, no, I didn't do that, though. <laughs> don't, don't keep your kids away from uh, electrical fences. You run around your yard, Dad. Um, but uh, anyway, so... No, seriously, I... Uh, I think it, a lot of it for a lot of kids, it comes back to being uh, in love with dinosaurs. 
Yes. And oh, you know, every red-blooded American boy loves dinosaurs. Exactly. You, you, you know, there, there are these sort of larger-than-life things that really did exist, these real-life monsters. And Godzilla is an extension of that. Because I remember as a, as a kid not knowing what Godzilla was, and somebody gave me a birthday card that had a big green Godzilla on it. Oh, okay. And I'm like, what is that? It's like a dinosaur in a city. That's kind of dope. And they were, And my mom and dad were like, oh, it's Godzilla. And I'm like, it's letters and words. It'll mean anything to me. And eventually, uh, and eventually I started seeing the movies and I'm like, all right, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Uh, and, uh, I can get behind this. So that's kind of where it started. What was your first movie? I like to ask that of all of our guests. So, uh, my first, the first one that I remember uh, physically seeing was probably Godzilla 1985. Right, that's yeah, yeah that one was on a, that one was on a rotation for uh, a lot of television networks and stuff. Yeah. And it was some monster movie marathon. And I remember being so excited because I was this is the latest I had ever stayed up. Mm. I was so excited. So I was like, because I had to sit through tentacles. Yeah, I had to sit through. <laughs> I had to sit through uh, frogs. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> uh, Critters was part of that at some okay, point. Okay, well that's fine. Um, and. And then, and then Godzilla was like the last movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <gasps> and I think I fell asleep. <laughs> but I remember being so stoked on like the image of Godzilla, like walking through the city and stuff. But the first one I had like physically, and I remembered watching over and over and like really memorizing was Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster. Okay. Did you have the Good Treasures video? Yeah, the one with, yeah, with, the, uh, the, with the claw, with the Godzilla kind of like jumping out like an old no, like, Barbera. It was a, it was a, it was an illustrated cover, mm. but it was a green, it was a green Heisei Godzilla. Oh, okay. With a big red Eberron. He's breathing red fire out of his mouth. Oh, okay. It was like a comic book cover almost. Weird. Yeah, it was a cool. I, I loved it, and that's one of my favorite Godzilla movies. Yeah, it's like. One I get. My, my first video was uh, Megalon, and it was like this really bad, like photo. But back then, what, what would we call now Photoshop? It was photo just manipulation. slapped. Like it says Godzilla versus Megalon. You have no idea because it was all this tainted orange look that Godzilla was me- melted into the background. Yeah. You could barely tell Godzilla on the cover. Yeah, I never seen that one. I yeah, thought I had a lock on weird, yeah. all those Godzilla VHS covers We're, from the eighties and nineties. Yeah, warehouse video. Yeah, they, hmm. they just didn't give a crap. <laughs> uh, I mean, that license was just getting tossed around. Oh, yeah. I tell you. Yeah. yeah. So how was it like working on one of the longest running Godzilla comic series in IDW? Before that was Marvel. Yeah. Yes, that's and right. And then it was you and Chris Murray and Zorno. So sure. what was that like actually working into almost canon, the history, working with Toho, working with IDW? I mean, uh, when, for, when I first got to work with them, I remembered... Um, uh, the first thing I did were those stomp covers for yes. the uh, for Godzilla Kingdom of Monsters, and they were the store stomping covers. I remember really lobbying for that. Like I was sending them emails and stuff. Apparently, they were already thinking about asking me because Chris Mowry knew me and yes. you know, I had a following and stuff. And I remember just being like, when I got the call, so to speak, the email, I was like, "All right, here we go." You know, lock in business mode. And I remember somebody took me aside at one point. I think it was Chris Merjahungir from Toho Kingdom. He took me aside and he was like, "You know, you're like working on a Godzilla property now, right?" And I'm yeah. like, "It's legit." Oh my god, <laughs> I'm coming down. No, um, it was a, it was like this giant uh, wave kind of hit me. I'm like, "Oh, oh, oh." And then I got replaced with raw panic and fear. I can't mess this up. I can't mess this up. I can't be late on this. So, uh, yeah. And so 
moving on to that, it sort of became a little bit of a routine. It would be I would do covers, do covers, do covers, and then I'd make a pitch to do something to to do like a comic. Like you know, we managed to get Godzilla Legends in there, and that was sort of my kind of dipping my toe in as far as doing interiors on a Godzilla book. Um, but then Rulers came around, and Rulers was almost a fluke because. Because they just needed something to fill their schedule, and uh, and they were like, "Well, Chris and Matt and Jeff, mm-hmm. these are all the nerds. The, the, these are the Godzilla nerds, you know. Because I mean, guys like um, you know uh, Eric Powell and uh, the rest of the teams who were doing the other Godzilla book, the other main Godzilla books at the time, you know, they're fans, but they're not like they're not hardcore. The rabbit hole doesn't go as deep for them. <laughs> like, you know, it's it's." They don't have. I'm gonna probably guess that Eric doesn't have a an album by the Peanuts, uh, by uh, the the original Monster Fairies, or you know can recognize a Godzilla suit by its silhouette. Um, so I'm not throwing shade or anything. I'm just saying uh, he's got a he is a he he's a real artist. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. He so so they were like they were like yeah uh, you want to take a crack at do you guys want to do like an like an ongoing Godzilla book. And I was like, yeah, let's do this. Let's, this is our shot. And uh, we kind of dove into it, you know. We, I had to, had to kind of corral things a little bit. Chris sort of had this vision, uh, this one particular vision that he wanted to do for Godzilla book. But then he had to kind of wrangle that in because we had to fit it in continuity with the previous two series. Mm-hmm. Okay. With yeah. Kingdom of Monsters and History's Greatest Monster. But um, his, uh, but as a, it was, when, you, when you're actually reading it, there's not a whole lot of through lines because uh, we just were so excited by the ideas that we were having and our characters, the new characters we were coming up with. Well, we managed to make a couple of connection points. You know, one of our main characters, Stephen Woods, is the main character, one of the main characters from Kingdom of Monsters. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about that. But well, what, 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 So when you guys sat down, what was the big, like, what do we, like, you guys pretty much, the way when we talked to, to Maori, he's like, he, he said, look, there are the rules. It's like you can't kill any of the monsters. But here's the licenses you have. Go ahead. And Toho just kind of had to give a, a slight approval once you guys put the book yeah, in. Yeah, what was it yeah. like creatively so, working with Toho? Like, how strict was that? Toho, I think, I think get, gets a bad rep sometimes because uh, they're like, oh, they're real strict or, oh, they're real persnickety. And I can see that to an extent, but I think because we were fans... And a, a little ridiculous in our own attention to detail. I was having to. At, at one point, I got an email from our contact at Toho. She was like, um, "Bless her heart, she put up with so much." Um, <laughs> she uh, uh, said, "Is Destroyer weak to cold?" Because <laughs> uh, she could, she just couldn't remember. And I was like, "Oh yeah." And I was like, I fired back with like this, uh, "Oh yeah," because uh, got Silver Destroyer. The, this kid, the, the scientist character, who's creating the micro oxygen, discovers that. Blah, 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 and I'm like, I, I think I deleted half of that email before I sent it because I'm like, he doesn't. That's she doesn't get a comic book um, moment. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, it's not that she doesn't care. She just has a job to do mm-hmm. and. She had to approve stuff yes. and tr- has to try to approve as much as she can without having to translate stuff to send it overseas. Because this was our contact at the LA office. Oh, at the LA office. Yeah. Okay. But honestly, um, some of their notes I actually really appreciated because they were little things that I thought like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Or I'd go through and I redraw something and I'd be like, you know, it looks better now. Like the the San Diego Comic Con cover I did for Gangsters and Goliaths. Yeah. Godzilla had a completely different. Uh, pose 
when I first drew it. He was much more low. He, he was a little more like Godzilla 98, where he was kind of low to the ground. His head was kind of, he was kind of almost like a, a crouching prowl almost. And she wrote back and, and it said, um, this isn't really, this is not really the image. That, the, the, there is a standard image for Godzilla they want to present. They're starting to get a little looser about it now, but she just was like, it's not really, he needs to still kind of feel like a guy in a suit, basically. And uh, and at first I was kind of like I was kind of like oh yeah, yeah, you know like no I wasn't happy about it. I went back and I you know what you know what, you know what I, I think what the secret was she's actually trying to may have been trying to tell me this pose is bad mm. because I went and I flipped it in Photoshop and I'm like oh oh it's all wrong like because that'll happen if you're if you're you budding young artists out there flip your images. Everything will be revealed. You're, you're going to have eyes that are up here. You're going to have arms that are going the wrong way. Uh, and, and, and I looked at Godzilla, and I'm like, oh boy, I got to redraw this. That <laughs> so, was excellent advice, actually, yeah. that you just gave. I mean, that's what I. I, I it's not something I. I honestly try not to do it because I'm just like, I just want to get this thing done. <laughs> but it is a good idea. Were there any panels and splash pages that you really loved and was proud of? And once that you looked back and you were like, oh, I, I would redo that. The first four issues of Rulers of Earth. Um, wait, wait, to redo or proud of? Well, I was proud of them. Now I'd love to redo them. Um. That's the standard artist thing, though. Isn't yeah. It? They, like, a, lot of, a lot of artists that I've ever talked to, they're like, especially stuff like, I, like I, I brought up, I've brought up stuff to Joan Vasquez before. And mm. I'm like, dude, I absolutely love you. He's like, I, I, I freaking hate that. Like, it just, it bugs me. It's like, like the eyes just a little bit off. I'm like, what yeah. are they doing there? I'm like, who, no one else cares. See, but, but the artists care and we <laughs> see it. Yeah. Because like, okay, like I, uh, the other day, uh, a young man sent me a message asking like, what is this, uh, what is this art here? And it was like a, it was a poster I did for Toho Kingdom way back before I was even doing official stuff and it was just it was a bunch of the video game Godzilla characters like Boxardan and the Mechagodzilla from uh, Dreamcast the Dreamcast game and a bunch of other stuff nobody knows what I'm talking about but uh, uh, and I remember looking at him and he sent it to me and I was like oh god that old thing and he's like why what's wrong with it and I'm just like you have to reel it in sometimes and think to yourself you know what the, the people who really who care don't really care. <laughs> like they just like the art, and but I think as artists we hold ourselves to a certain standard, and that's what keeps us improving. That's what mm. keeps us moving forward as artists, because you don't want to you don't want to stall out. You're always your own worst critic. Though. Yes, mm. you know? absolutely. So and yeah. and, I, and it also helps to surround yourself with other artists who are critical of your work. <laughs> like my buddy Jared, I used to send him I used to send him uh, drawings. He'd be like. That's all right. <laughs> I was like, going to say, what type of critical? We're talking like polite critical? Well, uh, well, sometimes you could use a little kick in the butt every now and then, I think. Because, uh, Especially uh, with someone you know. If it's, if it's like your friend, but, yeah. you want them to give you sound advice, and you want them to be honest with you. Like... Uh, and bring you down a peg. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. my buddy, my buddy uh, Hiroshi, uh, who's uh, I don't know if he's here now, but I know he's out in the. I know he's in the. Uh, there he is. Uh, hey, buddy. Uh, he actually has been really helping me work on uh, drawing characters for specifically Japanese audiences, <laughs> and he's had really good insight into that because sometimes I draw myself a little too American style. Mm-hmm. And he'll say, a uh, little too much, a little too much. Dial it back a little. So I appreciate that, buddy. <laughs> so go see him in the dealer's room. He's a really great artist, too. Now, the go back to when uh, you guys were uh, putting Rulers together. Yeah. 
Now, Mallory said, like, we had this whole cast of characters, and we had actually just, you guys had just acquired more characters. Mm-hmm. So when he sat down, what was the roster of, like, here's what we want, definitely want to do right off the bat? Yeah. So what, 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 what was that pull? What, what got put in, what got pulled out? As far as, like, kaiju? Yeah, kaiju-wise. Well, I mean... Well, that's what really... That's what we'll Yeah, that's what we're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, the first thing I said was we need to open with... Godzilla versus Godzilla. We need to open with Godzilla '98 versus the Japanese mm-hmm. Godzilla because it'll be a big, it'll be a big selling point. It'll be a big buzz, uh, a big mm-hmm. generate a lot of buzz, and we want to do a proper fight because the Final Wars battle is fun. It's a joke. Though. It's a it's a gag though. Yeah. It's not really a fight, and we want to do like a full issues worth of a battle. But we couldn't really do that because uh, right off the bat because um, <laughs> this is fun. This is a little behind the scenes for you. So. Uh, for Godzilla Legends, they had commissioned Art Adams, mm-hmm. my boy, uh, to um, uh, to to other Art Dad. Uh, they commissioned him to make a bunch of covers for Godzilla Legends, uh, and then they went ahead and like paid him to do a whole bunch because he. I, th- I don't know exactly what happened. I think he just went ahead and did a bunch more. Just because he wanted Just to. Just he wanted to. And they were like, oh, we'll buy those. Um, <laughs> and then they were like, oh, crap. We don't have anywhere to put this Gigan cover. <laughs> so so for the first issue, that's why Gigan shows up in the first issue of Godzilla Rules of Earth. Because we had this Art Adams Gigan cover. <laughs> and we had to establish that... Uh, Gigan is in this world, and he's that he's still he's still around. So uh, that's that's why that happened. But yeah, so Gigan was sort of this happy accident. And uh, the thing is, Chris's script, his concept was because he was in the he was in the Navy, and uh, he really and I believe that uh, had a lot of inspiration for him to want to um, make this what was essentially a kaiju Navy battle. Because he wanted sort of the Satopian esque, Mu esque civilization mm-hmm. um, to, the, which were, became the Devonians, to have all these sea monsters and basically take over the world's oceans. And um, that was why we had Destroyer, Titanosaurus, Gezera, Manda, the rest, uh, basically all these aquatic monsters. And then it became like this alien civil war thing, which, by the way, we had a sh- huge backstory between the two alien races. And um, I think it changed like three times. <laughs> but uh, but if you ever want to find out about that, I'll I'll be happy to tell you about it. Just not now. We got other stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So so yeah, we had we had our, our gotta get them. And then by the oh and I, oh and at the very beginning, I said I want an issue of Rodan versus Varan. That which was that was issue five, and they got a cover too. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I want Rodan versus Varan, and then. Jeff got to draw it. <laughs> Which I'm just like, man, Ron's my favorite monster. Um, <laughs> and you guys also, you worked in the Gargantuas, which kudos yeah, to that. That was very cool. That yeah. was very fun. I was so excited when we got the Gargantuas because, um, because, and I knew as soon as I knew we had them, I was like, we got to do Godzilla versus the Gargantuas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Godzilla versus Sanda and Gyra because they're, uh, because they're just they're just too cool. I remember though. Quick aside. I know I'm yeah, rambling a lot. No, it's I'm okay. like I'm like Kevin like, Smith up here. Just go for like two hours uh, talking about giant spiders. Um, the um, what's that? Continue to speak, Okay. He said I could. That guy. Yeah. Hi. Um, <laughs> okay. So funny story. The uh, finale. The the final uh, part of of issue ten. Godzilla fights Sanda and Gyra. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't want to give too much away, but they managed to drive him away. They kind of managed to win because they're the underdogs. It's like the Mothra larvae going up against Godzilla. I always thought that was a really great ending because it kind of subverts your expectations and it's the they fight a smarter battle. Godzilla's smart, but he's not smart. Uh, and um, Santa and Gyra are, you know, they're basically hominids. So they manage to chase Godzilla off. They almost get killed in the process, but they manage to more or less defeat Godzilla. There was this one fan who hated that so much, he completely turned on the book. And he started, like, he started, like, kind of harassing people on our Facebook page and stuff. It's like, why do you even like this book anymore? And it's like, man... It's 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 called narrative fiction. It's there has to be the way things work, and you want a satisfying conclusion. And I don't know. I mean, we were a little cheap with it, but at the same time, I thought it was a, I thought it was clever. But anyway, so I don't know. I just think that's fun. I just think it's a, it's a fun little little aside. It is. He 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 eased up after a while. He's he's all right now. So. <laughs> It was just one. It was just that one thing. It was just the one. Okay. Yeah, I think that's Jessica right now with, the, with Tom King's Batman book. <laughs> it's okay. I was a fool to think Bruce could be happy. So we all know he can't be happy. No, he's yeah. Batman. It's not like he's a hero or something. Yeah. Yeah. So Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle are supposed to be married on July fourth. Go read the comic. Tom King is amazing. But the ending is what you would suspect for a character that you know for 75, 80 years. Oh, Anticlimactic. Uh, yeah. Can't have anything stick. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I prefer the Power Rangers model. Just so, change out the team every year. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So uh, before you got into uh, Godzilla, what were you doing before? Because I think uh, you're... Nothing. You're, well, <laughs> I believe you did a Harryhausen book, didn't you? That's right. Yeah. I did do that. Uh, so uh, that was my first like big official comics gig was uh, for Blue Water Productions. <laughs> Uh, nah, nothing but love. But they uh, they um, they had this license from uh, Ray Harryhausen to make uh, comics more or less based off of the characters, not so much the movies. Uh, well, some of them were public domain, some weren't. But uh, like for example, there was a Wrath of the Titans comic, mm-hmm. which was the yes. sequel Clash of the Titans. There was a Twenty Million Miles to Earth comic. There was a uh, uh, and I was attached to the Mysterious Island comic. And the writer on that was Max Landis. Oh, wow. Which is how Max and I met. Okay. I know. Okay. All right. Max is a a little bit of a pill. Um, (laughs) No, but uh, he he actually had this um, actually pretty great concept where basically Nemo, Captain Nemo had gone out and in intervening years after the events of the original book slash movie, Nemo had gone out and collected up all these Harryhausen monsters to be on the island. There's yeah. a family of Cyclopses from Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. There was an emir that was uh, from 20 Million Miles of Earth that was kept in like a vault. Uh, and there was a um, oh god, what else was there? Uh, yeah, the dragon. No, no dragon. There was a Radosaurus though. Okay. The Radosaurus was there. There was a lot of. We had the little the fire gremlin things from another one of the Sinbad movies. We had a whole menagerie. And I got booted from the interiors on that because I couldn't. Uh, that was my first ever uh, like regular interior gig, 
I was in college at the time and couldn't keep up with the pages. <laughs> so, but it was hard because you're going to school and you would try to work at the same time. Yeah. Oh, I was just skipping classes at a certain point. I was like, yeah, I got a real job. Um, <laughs> to, uh, that was the purpose of school, though, to help you get a real job. Mm-hmm. But then you already got the real job. Yeah. So it's okay. You're, you're yeah, you know, it's, it's, you're, 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 uh, you're kind of like the Facebook guys a little bit. It's like, after a while, it's like, what do I need this for? You know, I, I, <laughs> I, very, nearly, I very nearly dropped out a couple times. But, uh, eh, you know, I stuck with it. And... Uh, uh, it, it all worked out. It's fine. Just you know, expensive. Um, nah, it's all good. But yeah, no, I did. I did the red hair, and then I actually the big one I did was this one shot of um, just about the Cyclops, mm-hmm. and it was sort of a prequel. That, to that's the one I saw Sim- online. Like, oh, yeah, look at this. Yeah, that back with you in your your nascent DeviantArt day. That's how I came across yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. So that's I, back when I was doing Godzilla Neo. Yes, that's still kind of, am now. I brought it back. <laughs> just need to. Keep up with it because I got other stuff to do. But um, yeah, because you're a working artist now. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, from like going from fan to fan drawings, like I'll do this to like I can do this in between the other products. Like oh, it's a good problem to have. It is. It is. I mean, I, I have um, what am I at? I have 96 Redman pages I have to have done by the middle of October. Oh, good, good lord! Mm-hmm. Now, how are they releasing? Die. How are they releasing that? Is it like in a um, the digest format? Uh, yeah, it's just in trade paperback form. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the uh, I, I'm structuring it as individual issues because I wanted the uh, episodic nature of the show. Mm-hmm. That's why they're called Red Fights. Like yeah. Red Fight so 1, they, Red so Fight I, 2. So how does that break down? Because the episodes were uh, like two or three minutes apiece. So I'm also right so I'm also writing it. Okay, look at that. And uh, in fact, I've got all the scripts on my phone. I was working on the on episode seven uh, uh, while I was on the plane mm-hmm. the other day, and. Uh, it, it's it's really interesting because I feel like it's a tricky balance. You have to have because Redman is such a it's such a desolate world with not a lot in it. You kind of get the sense though you could extrapolate a story from this because it's almost like this weird purgatory mm-hmm. that this guy is in, just running around killing monsters. <laughs> and I so I used that, and mm-hmm. I really wanted to harness kind of the uh, the bleakness of it, and the and but it's also become a bit of a dark comedy as well because mm-hmm. like. Uh, uh, and I've got I've got copies of the Japanese edition downstairs. It doesn't have a whole lot of dialogue. You don't really need to. You're not missing much. Um, but uh, one of the, uh, for example, one uh, story is about uh, Icarus Sajin, who is basically just on the run, and it's basically a Jason Voorhees style story with Redman as the slasher. Then another story is about. Uh, Duraco, Black King, and Zars trying to form a, a trio to take down Redman, and it's a farce. It's a complete farce. We, I got super goofy with it. There's one part where Duraco is explaining his plan, but he's a kaiju, so he can't talk. So it's just these crude little little drawings that I did with my left hand of little <laughs> uh, of little chibi versions of the monsters, and it's like. It's like Duraco versus Redman equals dead Duraco, and then Duraco plus Red, Black King versus Redman equals they're both dead. But Zars plus Duraco plus Black King equals dead Redman, and they're having a party. <laughs> it's like it's it's ridiculous. But that's how I think dogs think. I think they yeah, think it's all pictures. Both, yeah, like yeah. person plus bone equals lar- love. Yes, yes. You know? yes. That's yeah. I, I do you have a dog. Yeah, yeah she's an idiot. Um, the, <laughs> <laughs> she just she ate two raisin loaves. Oh! <laughs> Don't feed your dog raisins. Ooh. It just it's everywhere. <laughs> 
Not that it was it wasn't I didn't do it on purpose. No. She's a counter surfer, a little sneak. <laughs> I love her though, and I don't want anything to happen to her. <laughs> so you had mentioned that you're both drawing and writing it. Yes. And um, by trade, by academic trade, I'm actually a comic book historian, so I do a lot of public speaking Yay. about the education of comics history and everything. And I've come to notice that there are more artists turn writers or artists and writers than it is a writer who also draws the book. Mm. It's more of an artist that also happens to be given the privilege to also write it. What was that process like that you are now doing both? You went to do art and now you're also writing it as well. So that's a that's a really, really interesting subject. Um, and I think that I think that well, first off, the way that it, the way that people are able to do that, that artists are able to transition into yes. writing their own work, yes. is because it's easier for artists to break into the industry than it is for writers. Because an artist, you can just show yourself, and it's like, look, I did the picture, and then people will be like, oh, that's neat, make more of that. With a writer, you have to get someone to sit down and dedicate brain power to reading your material, and that can be super hard to do. Uh, Max and I used to talk about that actually, and. Uh, and yeah, it's just. Um, I feel like artists, after a while, they understand narrative so well they can also become the writer. But not all writers can draw, I, I, so yeah. it's hard to transition the other way. I mean, writing can be—it's an art form that is just as time-consuming and difficult as drawing. It's, and then some writers, that's what just that's what they do. That's what they want to dedicate their time to. And with artists, uh, I, yeah, I think that's a really good point of like we sort of we, we try to study form because we also have to you have to be able to tell a story just with pictures sometimes yes. as well. You sometimes don't have a, a full script to rely on. You've got to ad lib stuff. And just personally, I just really like storytelling. I I have a bunch of YouTube videos I listen to. I listen to. I listen to Lindsay Ellis almost on constant repeat because I'm listening to her dissections of of um, story structure and uh, how scripts are scripts work and stuff. And she's got a great video about the Disney Hercules. It's all about breaking down <laughs> why it is fundamentally doesn't work as a film, <laughs> but it's still like wonderful. It's still it's still fun though. Um, and and there's just you know, but personally, I don't know. Like I just I've wanted to kind of write my own stuff a lot. I'm actually I actually wrote uh, or at least did passes on a lot of the scripts I worked on, like the the, the Harryhausen Cyclops book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Rebner actually came up with the original outline for that. He just told it to me over the phone, and then I wrote a script based on that. Um, and uh, you know, and of course, with uh, I got a lot of practice writing in with uh, Godzilla Neo because I was writing uh, an entirely new timeline for the Godzilla history and trying to the the insane task of mashing it all together into one continuity. Yeah, it's <laughs> mostly successful, I think. Um, but yeah, so I think that I think you hit the nail on the head though. Is like artists just kind of sort of fall into it after a while. I, th- I think people take uh, artists as you're, you guys are doing a little more work than, than writers. <clears throat> Mostly because just about anybody can write. You don't, you don't have to write good. Mm, that's fair. I was going to say qualify yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, like you can, but sitting down, typing out something seems a little easier than sitting there trying to get like symmetry and, mm. you know, depth down than any, than more than anything else. I think it just depends on the person, to be honest. But I think I think in a in a broad stroke sense that is true. Mm-hmm. Like I think it is a little more, maybe a little more labor intensive. Yeah. Because um, you also do your own inking and your own coloring. <laughs> I, I I I try to do as much myself as I can. Now when it comes to interiors. 
we got deadlines, mm-hmm. so I'll pass stuff off to uh, Goncalo Lopez or to Josh Perez or one of the other amazing colorists I've worked with, and um, they will uh, they'll just knock it out of the park. I try to always pair myself with colorists who are who match my line art really well yeah. because my my coloring style tends to be a little uh, chunky and painterly, and so I try to I try to find artists who kind of match that. And you know, Goncalo's been knocking it out of the park with Redman. Yeah, but uh, but I do color. I try to color as many of my covers as I can, and all the prints you see on my table downstairs, I colored all those myself. Okay. Yeah. So that's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so some fun things. Let's, uh, yep. let's go crack down a list. All right, favorite film. Favorite film, like all, 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 of, of all uh, time. Yeah, in, in 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 art. Okay, so let's do favorite Godzilla film. Favorite non Godzilla film. Okay, favorite Godzilla film is uh, GMK. Is Daikaiju Sokogeki. Uh, that's my. That's that's. Very strong. It's it's just the crackerjack Godzilla movie. Like just, I think it's a. It's the last Godzilla movie that I really wowed me because mm-hmm. I like I like all the ones that have come out since then. You know, I like I like 2014 and Election and I and I like all that stuff. But GMK was the last one. I was like, oh man, this is so good. And then I go back and rewatch it. I'm like, whoa, there's like a whole other layer I didn't realize Make going on here again. Yeah, yeah, and it's just a. You know, I mean, it, 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 I don't think they had as much, it's not as tight a film as the Gamera trilogy, because the Gamera trilogy, I think, is, um, uh, another one of my, that's another one for me. Like, if I could lump them together, my top three <laughs> non Godzilla movies are, uh, three Gamera movies matched in a one. Yeah. Uh, Jurassic Park mm-hmm. and, uh, Princess Mononoke. Okay. okay. Well, so. Jurassic Park holds up. Mm hmm. It I, does. The, I, oh, Believe me, that was like religion for me growing up. Oh, too. sure. Like I, I actually watched it at a friend's house recently. Uh, we had a little party over there. We had a, we had a, a Rice Krispie eggs with little gummy dinosaurs in them. It was great. It was great. My friend Karen really knocked it out of the park with that. What's up? What about the watermelon? Oh yeah, the watermelon that was shaped like a dinosaur's head. Karen uh, made that too. Um, and uh, and uh, we watched Jurassic. We put on Jurassic Park, and I'm sitting here. I'm just like. Everybody shut up! <laughs> just, no, shut up, look at this part. And everyone's like, we've seen the movie, Matt. <laughs> so yeah, it still does it for me. Like, No, you want them to take in the beauty and the grace of this film. Exactly. Yeah. And and I also like, I mean, it says something about my love of the Gamera trilogy mm-hmm. in that I actually, I dropped $600 to rent out a theater at the Alamo Draft House for my 30th birthday so we could watch Guardian of the Universe. Nice. Uh, and that's, That was well spent, though. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely. Well spent. I even had a pre-show at the MSC3K <laughs> Camera mm-hmm. and we had a grand old time. It was great. And I had a couple people, a couple of my friends who were not kaiju fans, came up to me afterwards and were like, "Matt, I had no idea it was like <laughs> this. This was awesome." And you had uh, the camera three in the theater with a bunch of people too. See, I gotta do. I gotta do two first, and yeah. then I gotta do three. <laughs> so I'll uh, I'll save up for that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and uh, and then Mononoke actually, Prince Mononoke actually uh, rearranged my um, brain chemistry as far as what animated films could be. Was that your first Miyazaki film? It was my first Miyazaki. It was one of my first like anime really like productions because mm-hmm. uh, we we found a, a DVD at like Hollywood Video or something. And my buddy and I uh, crowded around our giant uh, uh, PC, uh, my dad's giant PC upstairs, because that was the only DVD player we had. And we're just like, 
I didn't know like this could be like this, you know. Like I, I didn't know. Was, was your mind blown when you actually went and found out how Miyazaki made that film? Like it's mostly storyboarded. Oh yeah, like I mean, just I've gone through since then and just been like found out so much more about it, and it's just such an amazing production. And you know what? It may be a flawless movie. I can't really think of any major criticisms of it. So. You know, come at me. I, I, um, <laughs> anybody would disagree with you on that one. I mean, like his work is. He's no big trouble, in Little China, but <laughs> just kidding. Oh, no, I, no, I would greatly um, agree with you on that one too. Mm-hmm. I love Big Trouble. It's such, it's so good. That's a flawless movie that is deeply flawed, but yeah. uh, but it's also well, it's like, fun. It's like me with RoboCop. I love RoboCop's one of my all-time favorite films. I, to me, it's yes. like one of the top ten. It's fantastic. Films it's a great. It's great. Well, just because a movie is is perfect doesn't mean it's flawless. Like yeah. I would argue that Jurassic Park is a perfect movie, but it's got. Flaws. There's some deep, there's some deep legit, errors. There's like some legitimate, like small continuity flaws and stuff in there. Yeah, like where is that cliff? Yeah, where did the T Rex come up from with the exactly. goat? Yeah. And then he pushed the the car over the cliff mm-hmm. into his own paddock. Yeah, where's that hundred foot drop? Exactly. Where did that come from? Which, by the way, they reference in the Last Lost World movie, and it's like there was no mountain next to uh, uh, next to Chris Pratt. It's like where did this fall off from? Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> Fallen Kingdom. I was about to okay. ask you your thoughts on that, but I got scared. But you brought it up. Hold on. Can so I see? Okay. Can I see some before you go? Like, I know no. where you're going. Um, <laughs> now go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Great first and partial second act. God awful third act. You're allowed to think that. All right. Um, the, uh, <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. I want to be clear. If you liked Fallen Kingdom. You got no beef. You can like whatever you like. I don't care. Like whatever you want. That is one of the that is one of the worst <laughs> scripts I have ever seen in a major. Someone was paid millions of dollars to write this. This is a script. Okay, did anybody know what best of the worst is? Okay. Okay. Some people do. So it, 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 go on YouTube, watch these best of the worst uh, videos. These are these guys. They did that. These are the same guys who did that long, uh, long form Phantom Menace review from a couple years back. They, um, they, right? They do these. They will watch these old movies, usually from the not even old movies, just stuff from now too. But a lot of them tend to come from the '80s. Some of them are from Russia, and they're 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 these terror. They'll watch these terrible movies and discuss them. And these movies are like. There's stuff like Troll 2 or The Room, stuff like that, where it's like a it's like a, per, a person wrote this movie who doesn't understand how movies work. <laughs> they know that movies have to have scenes in them, things have to happen in the movie, but they don't understand justification, they don't understand characterization, they don't understand basic plot threads to like, make something have like a reason. Like Manos, The Hands of Fate. Like Manos, The Hands of Fate, that's another great example. Uh, uh, what is it, Rotor mm-hmm. is another great example. That is just... Stuff That's what Fallen that. Kingdom is. It's a movie with a bunch of scenes <laughs> that don't make any sense because it's like, why did she go into her bed? Mm. Why did she go to her bed? Because they had the scene for the trailer yeah. and they wanted the scene for the trailer and then they were like, oh crap, now we have to put it in the movie. Um, so I don't But when know. little kids get scared, they tend to go under the blanket. She's been being chased by a dinosaur for the last 20 minutes. Not just any dinosaur. In the house! Just a super murder scene. Store, which is all it was meant to be. She also went under the bed. Probably would have made more sense. <laughs> As a girl who lived through 
earthquakes, I would hide everything. Matt. It's fine. I get, I get the, I get the tenuous thread of logic. I'm just saying she's been being chased by a dinosaur for 20 minutes. We're not. It was just to me looking at it, I could really tell it was like a scene they wanted for. They wanted it for that yeah. shot of the. Yeah. the, you know, claw. the claw. Yeah. Yes. Also, this is a dinosaur that's just been smashing its way through. Well, it's real glass. quiet. And it's yeah. real quiet in this one scene, this one part, because they wanted the Nosferatu arm coming out. And it's a bipolar dinosaur because it's at one moment it's all over the place. It is all. Real, uh, it is kind of all messed yeah, up, all but flighty. like it's not really conveyed in the. <laughs> it needs a mother. <laughs> oh man, B.D. Wong, why can't they just give you a proper role in these movies? Just be a villain for once. Anyway, I just also Chris Pratt. Okay, here we go. So he's a uh, he's got you know in movies. <laughs> Your character, you go and you find your character because you like, you know, somebody says, well, I know somebody who can help. You know, I got an expert or something. You go find a character, they're down on their luck. They're, I hate to use this example, but they're Matthew Broderick digging up worms in Chernobyl. Or they're, or they're washing dishes somewhere or getting yelled at by somebody. And then that's when the other character comes, or they're... Or they're Raleigh yeah, helping the to build the wall in uh, in yeah. Pacific Rim. Yeah. You know, the character who's a self-imposed exile, but there's a sense, there's a tangible sense of sadness, and that's their motivation to get back in the game, go to the island, and find your dinosaur friend, girlfriend, or whatever. And um, not, I'm living an idyllic life out in Montana, building a cabin with my bare hands, because I'm Chris Pratt and I've got no flaws. And But he's so dreamy. <laughs> Not my type. Um, <laughs> I just... We're, yeah, let's move on. I'm getting upset. Okay. Um, <laughs> my wife turned to me. Uh, I when I, I took I took my wife and a friend of mine to uh, to go see Fallen Kingdom, and I I knew that I was going to need something to get through this, so I ordered uh, two drinks, uh, <laughs> uh, and a, uh, uh, and I just sat there and just like slamming the stuff, and then uh, so I started giggling uncontrollably throughout most of the movie, and then at the very end, uh, they both turned to me. and They were like, "Matt, you deserve the hangover <laughs> that you're." Gonna Gets, so but that poor brachiosaur, though. <laughs> Don't like a little manipulate puppy. me, moving to thinking I care. <laughs> Shut it, cry. You cried. Um. Okay, well, okay. On on stuff you hate. <laughs> stuff you don't. I, well, you don't. Care I don't like for. not liking a movie about dinosaurs. I know. I know. Okay, on stuff you. Okay, on. It's re- perfect MST3K material. That's yeah. what I'll say. Okay, so we we got your favorites. What um, is your? We'll just word it this way: least favorites of this of, of the genre we all we all love. Uh, I don't care for Big Man Japan. Okay, I really don't like that movie. It's extremely cynical. Yeah, with like with for no reason. It's just mean. Especially at the end when they go to the live action portion, they're like, "Oh, get in there!" Yeah, like, you know what I really want in, in, in my in my goofy uh, giant monster fighting movie is domestic abuse. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I want to end my movie. That movie sucks. Yeah. Um, and, um, what else? That's it. That's it? Yeah. Uh, I can't think of any other movies I really hated. I didn't care for Ant-Man. <gasps> yeah. Blasphemy. You know? But have you seen Ant-Man and the Wasp? I heard that's good. Okay. I want to see, see that. Oh, I just, I, I don't know. Words. I love Ant-Man. Hey, that's great. That's fine. <laughs> I got no beef with you. I just, I just was like, 
I don't need you to tell me it's not a keychain movie yeah. voiceover. <laughs> it's a movie about stuff that grows and shrinks. You hold up a little tank uh, to make a point to punctuate a scene about how we're going to escape. You don't need to be like, it's not a keychain in an awkward voiceover. I'm sorry, that drives me yeah. nuts. Anyway, that's not the only reason. But but. That, that was definitely a studio note point right there. That was a studio yeah. note where it's like, people aren't going to get it. Yeah. Okay. Visual storytelling. Yeah, I guess I know I to open up a can of worms in this. What do you think of the last Pacific Rim movie? Just like, <laughs> Just the table. Um, yeah, it was. It was all right. It was all right. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it was um, dumb but harmless. Okay. You know, just kind of disposable. Uh, mediocre. Mediocre. Thank you. Uh, well, you know, it just. You know what it was? It was the movie that people who didn't like Pacific Rim thought Pacific Rim was. Mm. It was a. Very it was kind of a kind of a dumb, hollow movie with like, oh, there's robots, there's some monsters. Uh, oh, there's uh, kind of a thing going on with um, fins in this. That's neat. Uh, and, uh, oh, okay, I guess, uh, oh, man, I'm so excited to see Ringo Kikuchi again. Or not. not. <laughs> um, wasn't happy about that at all. Uh, that was a pretty big misstep. Otherwise, yeah, it was, whatever. You know, I notice tight. people who tend to hate the first movie love the second movie. And yeah, then that says versa. a lot. And then vice versa, um, those who... You know, very polarizing film like in many one. aspects. Yeah, so. I mean, I've got I've got small issues with the first movie, but for the most part, I think it's just uh, it's just fun, and it's a movie that knows it's fun, and it's also got Del Toro's just impeccable eye for filmmaking and visual storytelling. Um, and just the second one is just like it's just uh, it was it's just a Hollywood sequel. It's a Hollywood machine sequel, and. We didn't get to continue any of the cool plot threads in the first movie, except for the thing with um, Charlie Day, which was kind of interesting, but I think that was something that Del Toro came up with, and then... Got carried over. Sad now. Rampage. Um, <laughs> Rampage? Yeah. Rampage is awesome. Rampage was awesome. Rampage is one of the most fun I've had in a theater in years. That third act is just the reason oh, why I'm Oh, it's so great. It's just, because again, it's a movie that it's aware of itself and it knows that it's silly. Mm-hmm. It knows it's a silly movie and it wants to have fun. And The Rock is just so charming. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan with mm. that That's accent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, you know pulling this old cowpoke out yeah. of the... so, Oh, man. That You're scene with the, with the little rat where he, he's like, what's your little feller here? Yeah. And the guy runs. Oh, man. <laughs> that was a lot. <laughs> I like how he walked with such confidence into mm-hmm. a collapsing he building that yeah. like he had no problem. He walked with his shoulder higher than his head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's his that's his cowboy swag. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> I actually went out and played I live near an arcade and I went out and I went to go play Rampage to prepare myself for this film. Because you know you're really gonna get the full story yeah. Yeah. if you play the yes, first game. I know you know what those are the best moves like look at Pirates of the Caribbean, literally no story to it, and you can yeah. you just you can create something from a whole thought with that. You you take a really basic premise. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need to do with yeah. these video game movies, is yeah. you need to take the the broad strokes of the premise and basically just make a new story. Because if you just try to recreate the game like with Assassin's Creed mm. uh, or something like that. I mean, you know the Bioshock movie is going to be this, like, you know it's going to be a train wreck. i got the script sitting at home. I'm waiting to read it. Gross. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe it's all right. You know, they they'll, they yeah. may surprise us. You know, that, I don't think Ramp- people really gave Rampage a chance, though. Yeah. No, they didn't. Yeah, they just, saw arcade-turned-movie, and they were like, this is going to be no. bad. I took my 90-year-old grandmother to see Rampage. 
She was like, because she loves that. She loves the Fast and Furious movies. Awesome. See <laughs> awesome. Awesome grandma. Awesome yeah. grandma. So she's like, because we go every Sunday, she's like, what's that? I'm like, this movie called Rampage. She's like, that sounds like it's got a lot of action in it. I'm like, yes, it does. It's got the rock. She loves the rock. She goes, to, halfway through, she turns to me. She's like, what's going to happen to that poor gorilla? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like just watch and see. That's, she's like, they're not going to knock over that whole building. How did they knock over that building? How did they do that? Yeah. You know, it, a quick grandma story. My grandma is actually really responsible for a lot of the uh, 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 what I am. And uh, bought, she bought like all my Trend Masters Godzilla toys and stuff mm-hmm. when I was a kid. So... Uh, her fault. And, uh, but no, uh, but I remember uh, I used to take bootleg VHSs of new Godzilla movies over to her place to watch them. And I remember we were watching Godzilla vs. Megagirus, and there's that ending part where he's like blasting uh, mm-hmm. Megagirus. And she's she's like, just watch, she's, just, she's more talking about the, the composition of the shot of him, like the fire coming up and blasting Megagirus. And she's just like, you know, I tell you, those Japanese, <laughs> they sure know how to make a pretty picture. <laughs> I just loved it so much. Yeah. Do we have any quick questions yeah. Yeah. for Matt? Oh, yes, That's we have. That's where cricket start. Oh, a statement. We're talking about Rampage? What are we... Just in general. Just in general. Oh, what? In general, a good movie has a good. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. No. Yeah, it needs to be. It needs to be. It needs to be a crescendo. It needs to be a. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that sometimes it's okay to kind of play with tropes and break rules and stuff and have a middle act where you go to a casino, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, stuff. You can get weird sometimes, but you're you're mostly right. Yeah. That gentleman over there. Hi. Uh, yeah. I've been wondering this question since you brought up the Harryhausen comics earlier. Yeah. What is like uh, your favorite uh, Harryhausen monster in general? The question is, what is Matt's favorite Harryhausen monster? The Allosaurus in one million years BC. That's a good one. Because, thank you. That's my favorite <laughs> Harryhausen movie, uh, but that Allosaurus is so seamlessly integrated into that scene. It's just a... He's got that beautiful snake skin uh, design to it. I just... I've always loved that dinosaur. And so... And you know, because Harryhausen really based his dinosaurs much more off of Charles R. Knight's illustrations than really much else. So that's why his dinosaurs are so lively. You know, they, they don't have the... the um, horizontal posture that they're supposed to have, but they're very lively, they're quick, and they're and they're very ferocious, and I just, I just love that scene. So there you go. Uh, right, this young man here. How does the question is how does Matt come up with the, these kaiju battle ideas? Hey, monster hasn't fought that monster yet. Let's do that. <laughs> that'd be that'd be neat. Hey, uh, I mean, basically, that's. I mean, sometimes you want to make it make sense of the story. Like, for example, you want all the aquatic monsters to be trying to fight Godzilla at once underwater. Like, that's a really cool. I had Dragon Ball Z soundtracks going on because <laughs> I had it in my head, kind of as like almost like a, a mid-air Dragon Ball Z fight, but it's monsters and they're underwater. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh, so many. We'll do okay. one, two, two, three, three, and four. Oh, how are you counting? <laughs> what? Oh no, I was I'm going there. Whoa, I, I got real confused. Yeah, no. Who are we starting with? The gentleman in the Mexico. Yeah. Uh, so, like, uh, how did you, like, when you first got into writing, what was your first big boost? Like, a, like, um, like, when you 
Oh yeah. How did it, how did it, how did you start seeing like things to start thinking about like? Uh, I mean, really, I think as long as you have a solid premise, you can just kind of start writing and trying to pick an interesting start point and try to try to get the story to evolve naturally. Like I'm really writing these Red Man comics on the on the seat uh, by the by the uh, seat of my pants. Like I'm just like. And then this happened, and, you know, but it kind of makes sense. I'll change that later. And, uh, you know, but often I actually don't have to change much because it's just this, like I said, it's this rising action. There's maybe a little bit of a dip towards the middle, and then it comes back up. You want to have maybe a little bit of a breather. You know, you go back through, and you're like, oh, I think this is, needs to be a little bit of a break here because this is a little too too much all at once. So, you know, you just you you, you draw upon your instincts as a creative and what makes sense to you as well as what makes sense narratively. And you just kind of go from there. It takes a while to lock it in, but... Because uh, I'm kind of thinking sort of, you know, maybe write some... Do it. Do it. Do it, you wimp. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> right now. What are you, you doing start, here? You just start. You, it's like anything else. You, you you figure it out as you kind of go along. There's You can go online. You can read. Like People can give you ideas and how to structure stuff, but... At the end of the day, it's all on you, man. Like, yeah, the ideas are all on you. There's tutorials you can listen to. There's all kinds of you know, YouTube videos about writing. Like, I think uh, writing lessons is a series of videos that are really worth checking out because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of really they, they talk about uh, movies and stuff. And I think there's a there's a great video that compares the animated Avatar: Last Airbender to the movie and how the movie is such a giant fundamental failure as an adaptation and how good the the TV show is. I know, I know. <laughs> so yeah, I never walk out of a movie. There are four times I, I I sat through that pile of crap. <laughs> it, look, and that was like, and I I was the staunch Samoan defender until Lady in the Water hit. I'm like, oh, there's the crap, and then it's like, no, you're never getting another dime of my money ever again. Glass looks neat. <laughs> you know what? Split was fine, but someone paid for me to go see Split with uh, that's fair. So yeah. I didn't have to pay. So I was like, go. okay, this wasn't a power. We have a couple more questions. Yeah. Sir, right As there. We're wrapping up. Yes. For you, Matt, firstly, is there a certain kaiju or very human character that you struggle drawing? Well, I mean, some people know this is that I, um, you know, I, I really, kaiju is sort of where my fo- a lot of my focus went growing up. And drawing humans has been a little bit of a struggle because you have to be a little more delicate with how you draw people and you have to draw them a certain way because the human eye can tell when a human is wrong. Um, and uh, so, you know, I, I sometimes struggle with that a little bit. I'm trying to think of um, who specifically. Uh, I will say, our main character in, uh, in Godzilla Rulers of Earth, uh, Lucy, um, she was a little bit of a struggle because I wanted her to, you know, have a certain look to her. And I did this one sketch in my sketchbook that was perfect. It was a perfect sketch, and I could not recreate it. And I, and I was, so I was constantly struggling to try to get back to that sketch. And it really, uh, some, you can tell sometimes where I'm like, okay, right here, he's really got it. And then the next one would be like, oh, now he doesn't. Um, <laughs> or, oh, this is one that he penciled and had somebody else ink because we were 
you know, we're kind of struggling with our deadlines there at the, at the 11th hour, but uh, it comes to the territory. But yeah, I mean, I still love her. I, I, I like getting to draw her every now and then just for fun or for, some people have asked me for commissions of her and stuff, which is nice, so, yeah. And you had a question and you had a question, right? And then we'll just flood in from there. Um, I love Rulers of Earth. It's my favorite comic since the Dark Horse comics. Yes. Yay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> I love Bite. Uh, the trilopods, yeah. So the question is like, you know, the trilopods and what's the whole basis of them? Yeah, inspiration behind that. There's a, there's a, it's it's kind of a long story, so I'll try to give the cliff notes. I, I got a call while I was um, uh, the day before my wedding, uh, and uh, from Chris Mowry, we talked about um, we were talking about uh, the, the script, and um, and uh, he was like, they originally they were actually weren't supposed to be one species; they were supposed to be an army of different monsters, just bunches, like a menagerie of monsters. And I told Chris, I think that that runs the risk of us wasting a lot of really solid monster ideas. I think we should make it one collective species. And we went back and forth a little bit, and I sort of suggested, like, well, I don't want to do a trilobite, trilobite monster for a long time. Uh, as you know, obviously, there's a callback to Getzel 54. And uh, I just, I did a, a little, I did a little sketch, uh, it's about the size of the palm of my hand, and fired it off to Chris. And he's like, that's neat. Um, and then I remember, uh, then I had to go off and do wedding stuff. And uh, uh, and then uh, Jeff Zorno actually then took that sketch. He expanded it and um, added a lot of details and stuff. He may add some, some really interesting ideas to that. Then I took that and refined it one more time to come up with the final design. Like the, obviously it's got a bit of a trilobite, almost a pill bug look to it, but then it's... Um, those big fangs on the front and the uh, the mouth are based on Anomalocaris, which is a prehistoric shellfish uh, from about the same time as trilobites. So, and the the claws, um, they I think on some level they were subconsciously Gigan a little bit, but actually when I went back and looked at them, I realized that oh, these are bobbit worm jaws because um, it's got these very specific jagged jagged look to them and the bobbit worm is this huge horrible worm that lives on the bottom of the ocean and it has these 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 switchblade trap jaws that are like always kind of splayed open like that and they just they're real wicked looking and they have all these spurs and bony bladeness to them they're horrifying I love it. Great. The natural world is your best source for monster designs. Ricardo Delgado says that all the time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Ricardo yeah. knows what's up. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the question. Yes. Um, One question. Say, since you now work with uh, both Godzilla, now Gamera, and with Tsuburaya, oh, right. what's the next... You know, one you want to tackle. I mean, I mean, since we're doing Subaraya, they basically said like, "Hey, if man ever wants to do Ultraman." <laughs> so nothing on the table yet because Red Man sort of taking up my time. But uh, you know what I actually really want to do is I really want to get an original book out there because I haven't really done one. Closest thing would be something like Project Nemesis, but but I just but I didn't write that or really conceptualize it. I designed Nemesis and then they hired me to do the, the comic adaptation. But, uh, yeah, I've got some concepts for original books that we've been kicking around. Maybe a kaiju book? Maybe? We'll see what happens. <laughs> but uh, I do have a concept I am working on that is not a kaiju book that uh, I'm hoping to get out sometime in the next year. We'll see. Okay. So. so, Chris, where can people find us? All right. So, 
uh, online, if you're not already following us, we have a Twitter. It's at the Kaiju Kingdom, one word. If you follow us on Twitter this weekend, I brought a menagerie of stuff to give away. I forgot to bring you down here for this panel. So, you follow on Twitter. We're hanging around. This is a small spot. Tell your friends, to, tell your family. Every time I tweet something out, I'll be giving out uh, posters and prints, pretty much. So, just uh, when I tweet out, just come find us. Find Jessica or I, and then you'll get something fun. Uh, most of our stuff is on our Facebook. It's facebook.com slash the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. That's where the majority of everything, including those fancy new Godzilla pictures, went up that yes. look super awesome. It's pretty cool. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, and then online, if you're listening to our podcast, we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher. You directly download from us. We are on panzercrush.com. That's going under a, um, uh, overhaul for, uh, it just in terms of quality and everything for the next couple of weeks. But, uh, you'll be seeing a lot of cool, awesome stuff coming from us yeah. in the next few weeks. Thank you. So for here, um, I will be moderating the Women of Godzilla fandom and Kaiju fandom tomorrow at 2 p.m. And so come to, but for us, for collectively, for mm. the Kaiju Kingdom podcast, we will be at San Diego Comic Con. 3 p.m. next weekend at the San Diego Central Library. With Godzilla himself. Yes, our one of our special guests, we have more to announce, is actually TJ Storm. He is Godzilla. He's the motion capture guy for Legendary's 2014 Godzilla. He is currently working on, I don't know if he's finished, I don't know how much I can say, for Godzilla, King of Monsters, and mm. then um, getting ready to work we'll, on we'll see yeah. with uh, Kong vs. Godzilla, where yeah. TJ will uh, be there. That's awesome. So, yes. All right, well, thank you, everybody. This has been our first G-Fest Live edition of the Kaiju Game Podcast. Thank you, the powerful Matt Frank here. Go spend some money on his artwork. I'm heading downstairs right now. (laughs) Enjoy the rest of your show.